90s nostalgia. Hello, my name is Matt Mayer, aka Imp, and this is LOP Radio on YouTube, on Red Circle, and wherever you get your podcast feeds. Today we'll be reviewing NXT TakeOver In Your House, which was live this past Sunday, and I did not stay up for Aftershock because I'm up again for Backlash, for the greatest match ever <laughs> this Sunday, and uh, I kind of needed my rest. I can't be up till 6am every single week, so skip to TakeOver, but to compensate for it, I've got a special guest. Joining me to talk about NXT TakeOver is Laws of Pain slash Wrestling Headlines' own resident NXT cover, Mr. Cool Boys himself, Jay Cool. Thanks, Zip, and uh, thanks for having me. I'm excited to uh, get into the nostalgia-laden in-your-house pay-per-view. <laughs> That's putting it lightly. Like, from the get-go, because um, I was talking about this with uh, Rich Latter of One Nation Radio, just the hope that they go full in with the 90s nostalgia and it's not just a name and they'll put some music on or something or maybe a VHS filter. Like, no, the house was there, the garden was there, the plant pot was there. Uh, that's just the staging. That Obviously, they did the adverts as well, which we'll get to throughout the show. And they had the little references sprinkled as well. It's like, they know their audience. They had like little things where you wouldn't really get it, like Doc Hendricks, if you've not watched 90s WWF, that would have meant nothing to you. It's like, what's Michael Pierce Hayes doing with a moustache? Yeah, that's Doc Hendricks. <laughs> it was a nostalgia-filled show. And I'm not somebody who watched this wrestling at the time, because I wasn't born until 1992, didn't start watching wrestling properly till 2005. So this is a bit before my time, so the references don't ring as strong as somebody like me. But like, they know their audience. Like The average demographics for NXT will have watched in the 90s. So it's like they've actually they've taken in their audience and they're playing to them. With 80s nostalgia just passed, it's time for 90s nostalgia now. It was a fun nostalgia trip back to the past, an obvious NXT, which means it automatically is also celebrating the future. In a quick kind of roundup of the show, what did you make of In Your House and the nostalgia feeling of it, J. Cool? NXT uh, once again proved that if, if you want to, to put on a two and a half hour uh, wrestling you know, special event, I would I would argue strongly that that NXT is doing it right and the, and they've been doing it consistently right for years now. But for them to to have gone all in on the nostalgia and this is the first instance of a new set in in WWE for I, I don't know how many years now. Like how many years have they been just going with that you know big Tron and then just adding more and more screens, lights, lasers, you know, will you name it, right? So NXT did it with the the house stage which everybody wanted they and they made it happen and it gave the show a different feel and and so even with the wrestlers who were entering most of whom uh, even themselves 90s nostalgia maybe is, <laughs> is 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 a little bit estranged from their their lifespan too but they made it work right um, i thought it was a really good blend of present day meets past and um as far as um the whole card is concerned just two notes to make they made the right call in having the cinematic match in the middle and then having the triple threat at the end that was absolutely the right call because it was a go home happy kind of uh ending 
And then the second thing that I'll say is I'm really happy that NXT is going with six match cards now because it's giving more of the roster a chance to show if they can handle the spotlight with a longer match time at a special event. So those are kind of my two general takeaways. We had multiple matches go 15 minutes or close to 15 minutes and over, which like you wouldn't really get on old NXTs. Like you normally get a tight 10 or something like that. And yeah. It is a really tight 10. Like <laughs> It's a really high quality. But yeah, you wouldn't really get many going over. And on this card, like most of the matches went over 10 minutes because they give them that time to kind of flesh out, see if they can do that type of thing. Like uh, Damien Priest was a fantastic example of giving him an opportunity against a former main roster guy, like a top guy, and say, but to really just prove himself to step up to that level of level of plate that's a putting two sentences together <laughs> but there's the <laughs> like you got that for quite a few people like in my preview last week i was saying that i got a really strong feeling that this show felt like a i wouldn't say a definite changing of the guard but it felt like like old nxt names putting over that next era so like even if damien priest didn't win he was made to look amazing against finn Balor. keith lee the same against johnny gargano carrying cross against Russell champa io shirai against flair and ripley like that next generation of NXT was put over at this show. Uh, having the kind of next gen feeling to it, or new gen thing feeling to it as well, that really added to it. It was just a really strong sense of crowning the next era of NXT, as well as that other feeling you get of NXT when somebody's been there a bit too long, you start to feel like, hmm, you've kind of done everything now. It's kind of time for maybe for you to move on, and there's quite a few people in that category. But that's not that's always natural for NXT, like Finn Balor's original run. Yes, you're super over and we love you, but like you're clearly ready. <laughs> like You've done everything now. You've passed the title on. There's not really much need for you here. And that happens quite a lot in NXT. They'll kind of overstay their course, but then when they're gone, you kind of miss them. Uh, and that's been how it's worked every single time. So it's interesting in this TV era where people aren't necessarily moving up, but that feeling still exists because you're used to that, that happening. So I don't know if with those who put over the next generation in the likes of Gargano and Champa. I don't know if that feeling of them moving up is there because that's what NXT is or because, like, no, they're ready to go. They've played their course type of thing. Well, that'd be mainly negative, I guess, for the show. Yeah, I'll speak to that because I think you're right. We're in this new chapter. Uh, I don't want to say era because I think, you know, eras are, you know, we're so quick to want to analyze, like, oh, we're in the new era. It's like, yeah, but most, like, historians and like most people who are like making those calls like you gotta wait until like enough time has passed before you can properly judge whether like an era has shifted right but we're definitely in a new chapter i would say and then this is now the second actually the third takeover since nxt is gone on usa network so Mm. you're right we have that feeling that holdover feeling of like okay that guy you know he's been there for so long and now he's gotta lose and then he's gonna move on to the next roster and like we're not seeing that happen now like guys who who have that big run and then lose well they may not go to raw or smackdown like raw or smackdown maybe doesn't need them right now but also nxt maybe still needs them to do something else to give them a different story or maybe to switch their persona a little bit um like with gargano like now he's he's got a whole new story being written because now he and Larray are the are like the big heels on the roster well you can run with that for another year easily right so so even though he's been there a long time i'm okay seeing him stay as long as they switch things up yeah that's the thing with nxt it's so constantly refreshed that it's, it feels weird that somebody hasn't departed. Like, they normally get... The phrase is raided, but I found that... 
I found that term a bit weird, given that they are developmental. <laughs> so it's like, yeah. it's not really raided, is it? <laughs> like, no, no, it's not. No, I guess you could call it a promotion. They're getting promoted to the main roster. Obviously, the joke started when getting promoted to the main roster meant that all, your, all of your character work was going down the crapper. <laughs> so that's like, see, uh, the jokes of demotion or whatever. I, yeah, I totally agree that as long as it feels fresh, and the Johnny Gargano thing for me, I think the reason he sticks more than the others was because he's such a natural babyface that it's taken me a really long time to buy him as a heel. And mm-hmm. over everything, it was his outfit that convinced me tonight <laughs> on this one. Like, <laughs> I, was, I was like, is that the Mandalorian, I think? The Mandalorian looks weird without his trousers on. <laughs> <It's a> weird... <laughs> He's not as cool. <laughs> he looks really strange. But of course he's facing Keith Lee as well, which really helps convince me. Because Keith Lee is such an easily cheerable baby face as well. Yes. Uh, not forgetting the cause that he was fighting for as well with the Black Lives Matter on his t-shirt. Like As soon as you see that, mm. you're kind of like, this is the moment for Keith Lee to definitely retain. And anything Johnny Gargano does against him, he'll automatically feel more of a heel because of it. And mm-hmm. yeah, Johnny Gargano. This was the this was the first show where I I felt convinced in Johnny Gargano as a heel. Anyway, I feel like I'm dancing about all over the place. We'll do a bit more uniform so we can blast through this review rather than taking two hours to do it, which is a theme <laughs> <laughs> with me. <laughs> tangent all over the place. So we'll start with the main event, the big match, and work our way down the card. Okay. The triple threat for the NXT Women's Championship: uh, Charlotte Flair defending against Rhea Ripley and Io Shirai. Uh, last Thursday, uh, I got a bit of indication because last Thursday I predicted that Io Shirai would win because that gets Charlotte Flair out of the picture. That crowns Io as the champion and gives Ray Ripley something to chase for. The only thing personally didn't really work for, I guess, was Charlotte Flair and the aura that Charlotte Flair's created because that means her storyline didn't really do anything or progress anything. If anything, it stalled the NXT kind of progressive movement. And now that Charlotte Flair's moved on, you set up something for Ripley, but way further down the line for Ripley. Io Shirai versus Ray Ripley, that's what I'm excited for. That's what I expected to get set up, and I feel like they kind of did. Aside from the fact that what I didn't predict was Io Shirai just pinning Ray Ripley. <laughs> I did not expect <laughs> Ray Ripley to take the pin. For some reason, I thought it was Charlotte Flair. I thought it would be a cheeky roll-up or something. It, was a kind of, it wasn't a straightforward finish. Someone pointed out that technically Ray Ripley lost twice in being trapped in the uh, figure eight and then Io Shirai hits her moonsault finisher as well. <laughs> it's like, damn it, Raya. <laughs> he went to be our hero. <laughs> Getting hit with everything. <laughs> this was a really fun main event. It went all over performance centre. Plant pots were thrown. Windows weren't smashed because it was like just a swinging gate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. A bit disappointing. Of course, they made up for it for Io Shirai jumping off the top of the house. Yeah, what did you uh, make of this main event? I've not seen anything negative about this. No, I, and yeah, it was definitely, like I said, uh, it was the right call to finish the show with. You know, I thought Flair, for some reason, I thought Flair was going to stick around a little bit longer just because, you know, she's she's on all the shows. Like, why would you just stop? Like, she's got to keep that persona going because it's just making people hate her even more. Um, but here we are. It looks like maybe her, her time in NXT is up um, unless she's going to chase Shirai for the, uh, the NXT title to try and hold them all, but I digress. Um, <laughs> no, I th- I, th- I liked Ripley. Like, I like that Ripley basically got beat by both ladies because it does make her look strong still, you know? Like, it took, you know, the figure eight plus Io Shirai hitting her off the top rope to lose. So she doesn't lose any credibility in that sense. 
and in Io Shirai, like she's been on such an amazing run since last summer. It's kind of, I think it's made a lot of fans kind of believe in her as like the next top woman. Um, and then Charlotte Flair kind of jumped in the picture uh, and they brought Ripley over, which, you know, people weren't necessarily expecting that she'd come over from uh, NXT UK. But but if she hadn't, like, who was the next kind of one in line? Well, you had you had Bel Air and you had Shirai and those were the ones that were kind of jockeying for position against Baszler, right? Um, so you take Baszler out of the picture and now you take Flair out of the picture. Well, who are we left with? Uh, well, and Bel Air's out of the picture. So you're left with those two top women from last fall. Um, which I which I really like. Uh, I think this is a strong one two for the women's division. And yeah, and and, and great match. And uh, looking forward to seeing if they they go with a one on one next takeover, or if maybe there's another woman that they're they're going to try and push mm-hmm. to face Shirai. It's hard to say. Like you know, with all the restrictions on travel and and who's available and who's not, like. They might be better off to just go Ripley Shirai for for the next you know little while. I'm not sure what the next direction is. What do you think? Well, in terms of, well, I'm just immediately thinking of the six women who kicked off the show. In terms of what could be next, mm-hmm. uh, want to postpone Io Shirai versus Ripley for some reason. Then I guess that's not the worst thing in the world to pick whoever looked good. Uh, Tegan Knox scored the pin- pinfall, so you could do that, and I guess that kind of fuels uh, to go to Kai's anger that. Uh, even though she's got a attitude and she's got Raquel Gonzalez, Tegan Knox is the one that's still succeeding. So you can build up their animosity by having Tegan Knox succeed in spite of everything. And then she goes on and loses to Io Shirai, but she goes on to that, so you can maybe keep that going. Uh, Mia Yim will probably come out of the mm-hmm. feud with Candice LeRae and Johnny Gargano with uh, Keith Lee, come out of that pretty well, so you can yeah. elevate that in some way. And then there's, of course, Dakota Kai then feeds off of Tegan Knox, so that's even a possibility in a way. Because Io Shirai, even though she's technically heel, she's one of those that is so popular that she could fight whoever. Like uh, I guess like Asuka, in a way, where simply crowning Asuka as a champion has made her feel immediately like a babyface. And obviously on Raw, she's playing playing the babyface properly, but she could face face or heel. It doesn't really matter because he's just a popular act. Which is uh, when you reach that point, you can. It's quite special and it's quite rare in WWE because they normally go straight line, good guy or bad guy. But when you got someone like Io Shirai, who kind of can jump between the two depending on the match, it's like yeah, totally down for it. Like it's happened in the oh the um, Finn Balor Damian Priest match that kind of happened there, where Damian Priest healed it up a little bit. Finn Balor mm-hmm. played the face a bit more. Then Finn Balor went a bit too was going to the dark side a bit to to actually put Damon Priest away he's like yes I like that kind of balancing act <laughs> between the mm-hmm. light side and the dark side it's not as clean cut and yeah I really like that balance and Io Shirai is another character who's balancing that really well so you can buy her as the goody fighting with all her heart one, one minute and then if she does something dastardly yeah also fits her character because she wants to win <laughs> so I really That's like right. that uh, so in terms of who she could face I said my my only thought was Tegan Knox because she was the one who scored the pinfall, uh, and I guess you need to kind of carry it over. Uh, really, it's just sad thinking what's happened to Bianca Belair because she was definitely in line for that next era, and she would have been the perfect next challenger. Like it makes like would have been her <laughs> with like oh no yeah, question. Uh, but, for sure. But now she's on main event. It's like oh, really? <laughs> oh my word! <laughs> 
Uh, after what they did at the Rumble and after her the way she debuted alongside Street Profits, just like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, you feel like a big big deal. Yes, this is cool. And then she's immediately on main event. <laughs> it's like, what are you doing? <laughs> no. Yeah. Uh, it's because I rate her so highly. It's sad to see that happen to another NXT star where they call them up, no plans. Uh, but at least Matt Riddle's getting promo packages. So that's better than... Thankfully, uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> that's better than what I had expected. <laughs> so thank God for that. Uh, moving on to the next match. This is another one where we could spend ages because it's a shifting off the guard. As you know, before we move on, I'll make one more point. The only, I guess, negative is we brought it up with Charlotte Flair in terms of it feels a bit like overexposure for of Charlotte Flair. So when she shows up on Raw and immediately gets herself a singles match against the champion, <laughs> it's just kind of like... it. And then backstage they're setting up Asuka versus Charlotte Flair. So also after Nia Jax, Charlotte Flair's getting a championship match against Asuka. They're risking overexposure. And you can see it on by people's receptions of these shows. That when I say people are turning on Charlotte Axe, it's just it's too much of a good thing. Because she's still a fantastic wrestler. And like in this match she showed it. Is there is but there is that risk of overexposure where you kind of you get sick of somebody's presence. He just kind of, we're all in isolation. We've all experienced this recently. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, I think I think you're right. And that's, that's the consensus that I'm kind of seeing from people. Hmm. Um, but also, yeah, also she's the champ. Like, yeah, she lost, but she's she's the champ again. It's like, okay, yeah, what what's happening here with this with this character? Like, hmm. I I like what are their plans for her even like. I don't I don't know like she she was brought down to have that feature fight with Ripley mm. um, she wins and then she kind of puts over Shirai and Ripley a yeah. little bit yeah <laughs> um, but but kind of not like unless there's a long-term game here and maybe you know she isn't gone from NXT like maybe she's gonna come down and gloat with her raw championship like that would be interesting. Uh, crossover um, and maybe that's something you would see more into November when they get into Survivor Series but it seems yeah I, I don't think WWE is doing that much long term story planning so I think you know I'm creating a narrative that we'll never see <laughs> <laughs> well um, it's interesting the Triple H in the post show press conference on uh, I think it was just a press conference I don't think this one was on Facebook Correct me if I'm wrong, everybody. Uh, but uh, Triple H did say that uh, the plan for what they have got is in three to months' time, the way this finish happened should make more sense and have led to something. Which is mm. interesting he said that on a press conference call. Like, maybe he could read the room that there was something... Like, even though people were really happy Io Shirai won, there was a bit of a rumbling of around the Charlotte Flair character and the result on there and what the story they're telling. Because... Uh, it's not even blatant if she's face or heel. And it's not in a tweener way. It's in a do-you-even-know kind of way. Mm. <laughs> it's, like, it's, uh, it's, yeah, she's a odd character. I think they described it as she isn't face or heel. She's a flair. <laughs> Which, uh, immediately everybody goes, Vic Flair was a heel. <laughs> Just blatantly yep. was a heel. Uh, so that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> He's definitely heel. Um, but yeah, still, amazing wrestler, just maybe a bit overexposed, and that's continuing on the main roster, but if she's not on NXT, that's one fewer, or one less, one lesser, um, my brain's turned off. <laughs> so, it's, uh, yeah, interesting that way. Uh, moving on to the next match, 
Carrion Cross with Scarlet Bordeaux uh, defeating Tommaso Ciampa in a five-minute squash where Carrion Cross just destroyed the poor lad and got put over absolutely huge. Uh, they've billed him as a monster. They've had him come out and destroying people on NXT, but not quite to this level. And when he faces somebody like Ciampa, like he's a high-level talent, and Carrion Cross just throws him about all over the place. And every time Tommaso Ciampa tries to fight back, he's immediately knocked back down. Uh, I'm somebody who's followed uh, Killer Cross, the former Killer Cross, uh, in his like kind of indie days. Really bought him when he took part in Bloodsport last year at WrestleMania weekend, and in Impact, he uh, had a, just, it was just a presence about him. And you could see paired with Scarlett Bordeaux, like he's just groomed for success in WWE. There's just everything about him screamed success in a WWE kind of model. And in NXT, they're putting faith in him. They're building him up huge. Uh, he could be one of those guys who's like the Kevin Owens there under a year and accomplishes so much in such a short time and then just kind of moves on to the next stage. He feels he feels like an almost complete character already. We've just seen bits of it fleshed out. Uh, so what did you make of Carrion Cross? Yes, yeah, so so super super hyped. Got the full promo treatment uh, for a number of weeks. Mm. Um, <clears throat> yeah, looking looking great in his lead up matches to take over, and uh, it makes sense that he would he would tackle Chompa first because again you have a, a guy who's trying to and and nice. I would say this is a nice thing. He is trying to take that that role of number one bad guy. Like you know how we've we've just had a conversation about people who don't know what they are and tweeners and they can go face heel either way and and there's a place for that. But NXT needs to have a few guys who are like you're not supposed to like this guy, right? Mm. And Champa used to be that guy, um, so. So I like that he he kind of squashes him. Well, it was I wouldn't say it was squash, but it was it was a a thrumping, I guess, if you want to call <laughs> yeah. it. Um, but I like it because it, it actually does two really good things. It puts crossover, and he's ready to take on whoever you know they want him to next. Um, which again, they can go a lot of directions with with cross. Um, but I also like what it does for Champa because here's a guy who was the black heart who was vilified for what he did to Gargano. And now he's experiencing um, what Gargano went through in, in, in that he's kind of been victimized almost a bit here. He is not the same Ciampa he was two years ago. He is now taking it on the chin. He, he loses to Gargano and, and LeRae. I'm going to say that. He lost to them both. Um, whereas, you know, a year ago, that would never have happened. He would have fought back or he would have you know, gone, dug a little deeper into his, like, kind of evil, you know, violent ways to win, and he didn't do it. And then last night, he comes up against somebody who's just way more motivated, way stronger. And so now you're you're kind of seeing a bit of, like, a vulnerable Ciampa. And, and we want to, and I would say we want to cheer for him. Like, we want to see him kind of find his his groove again. So so he, as much as the the match was about cross, you know, finding his spot on the card and showing his abilities. Um, I love that it just served Chompa's story uh, equally as well. Yeah, I could not have put that any better. <laughs> just the, the nice poetry and symmetry that you see. It's something you see in NXT quite a bit. 
especially with Champa and Gargano. Just there. I guess it kind of counts more as Champa's arc. I guess from good guy to bad guy to slowly back to good guy again. And yeah, there's that feeling that he used to be the guy that Karen Cross is now, but he's lost that spark. He's lost that edge. Mm-hmm. And, as you put it perfectly, he's a vulnerable Champa. And uh, Karen Cross is benefiting off of that. And at the same time, as Champa kind of has his slide down a bit, Karen Cross. Take, it looks huge. It looks fantastic off the back of it, like an absolute monster. And when you see, like the previous match as well, when you see Adam Cole just survive Velveteen Dream, and you see somebody like Karrion Cross arrive, like it's because Adam Cole is the cool heel. He's a, yes. yeah. He's not like, the big bad. He's not like Champa was. He's not like Karrion Cross is. He could easily lose to Karrion Cross, and it's not its not technically heel versus heel. Adam Cole would be uh, the de facto babyface in that feud. And yes. I feel like that'd be something I'm perfectly fine with. Because there's been talk of, oh, Keith Lee feels like the next champion. But he's feuding, he's currently feuding with the North American Championship. It feels a bit weird. And Adam Cole is the one that feels like... like it feels like Undisputed Era are like of that past era of NXT. The pre-USA TV era, who were used as like the draws for NXT when it launched on USA... But NXTs are developmental at the end of the day, and Undisputed Era are ready. They were ready last year, and they proved it at the uh, what's it really called Survivor Series. Forgetting main roster pick views, I'm such a nerd. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he proved it at Survivor Series last year, and there was obviously the SmackDown episode as well, where they had to call in all of the NXT guys because the folk couldn't get back from Saudi Arabia. Uh, once again, felt like a star. It's just, and that's like almost a year ago now. And Adam Cole has just gotten better and better, and the Undisputed Era as a unit feel more and more tight. And uh, like, especially something, Kyle O'Reilly has reached the point where he can be quirky, but remain Kyle O'Reilly. Like he's that over. <laughs> like, he's, yeah. he's meant to be like the in-ring MMA badass, and he's going to lunch in. <laughs> that oh, was, was such a fantastic segment on NXT last week with them going to lunch. <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> like and compliments to the chef as he's like eating just like a salad. <laughs> Someone's like, "Oh, it's the best thing ever!" <laughs> it's just, oh, that's hilarious. Um, but yeah, I've drifted a little bit. I was talking about Karen Cross and Russia Champa. <laughs> just immediately drifting to the next. Well, that's match. a pretty good segue, I think, into mm. the next match. Just such a natural segue. You didn't even realize it happened until I brought it up. <laughs> that would automatically <laughs> drifted over. So this is the match that's got a bit of negative press. Like every every all the other five matches, I didn't see anything negative about. But they were enjo- people enjoyed them, or they were the perfect place on the card, or they got the job done. Or they were the, like just a perfect level to kind of build up through the show. But this match separated people a bit. Uh, I heard quite a few people saying it was the worst of the, I guess, cinematic era of WWE, like Money in the Bank and uh, John Cena Fiend. And the Boneyard match, like this was rated as like the worst out of all of them. For me, that the biggest feeling of that is because it had the least story for a match. Yeah. And it felt a kind of like it was it was things happening, which is perfectly fine for a brawl. So at least I'll give them that that. They didn't drift away from it being a brawl. Which I guess the only thing that stood out was when they did things which have popped up in the other cinematic matches, like the comedy beats, like the Uber driver turning up. <laughs> where, <laughs> where it was funny, but that that is one of the things that draws away from it being a brawl for me, yeah. in a way. And everything else stayed in that zone. And 
Uh, even Dexter Loomis, <laughs> which again yes. was a bit of a comedy beat. Uh, I'm somebody who remembers Sam Shaw from TNA when he looked yep. like John Cena wannabe <laughs> in his jaws <laughs> in the what, whatever they called that competition where they got the like, X Division guys in and they proved themselves. <laughs> and uh, Sam yep. Shaw was uh, like a high flying athletic guy in his John Cena jorts. And next thing we know, he's getting chance of creepy bastard <laughs> in TNA. And he's kind of, it feels like he's built on that character quite a bit since TNA. And now in NXT, I re- I'm really digging the character. And he's weird, but it's not like, it's not like, in TNA, it was kind of like, are you a pervert kind of weird? Whilst yes. you don't get that feeling in NXT. Like, he's weird, but they're kind of painting him as an interesting character that could be a babyface. <laughs> that as well. And it's like, he's just misunderstood, like, kind of thing. Not a no, you're definitely a creep. <laughs> it's, like, it's not like that. Uh, so I'm really, di- I'm really digging what they're doing, Dexter Loomis. And obviously, it's no hidden thing that they're borrowing heavily from the TV show Dexter, just flat out calling him Dexter, <laughs> just yep. to go with it. Um, but yeah, his involvement was a mixture of a comedy beat, but it fit into the brawl and it evened the odds as well. So that was nice. And I felt like the match itself did elevate as a match. But as a cinematic match, obviously it was just, it was a brawl, it was a match. So I can kind of see how it didn't hit the heights of the other ones. Um, but it was a weird one. I did feel like it was too long. I zoned out in parts, but I was there for the end, which I guess is the most important thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, what did you make of it? Yeah, I, I, I like I said, the placement of it was, was good. I'm glad it wasn't the end of the show. Um, I, I liked the the arrival of both wrestlers was just really appropriate to their characters so you've got you know the undisputed era kind of monster truck <laughs> and, and then dream comes in with the flashy you know convertible whatever lamborghini i'm not sure exactly what it was not a car guy um but uh but i really like that kind of setup and and i liked you know that they had all the cars kind of with their uh, headlights shining on the ring and so all this the, the kind of setting was really appropriate and they used the setting well and they and they had you know moments of getting slammed into windshields and Cole was bleeding by his arm and and then all the chairs that they took out of the back and threw into the ring like uh, you know that was all really uh, well done um, yeah it, what I'm finding interesting here is like as much as you know, people are want to see, and, and as you pointed out, people want to see the Undisputed Era move to the next show. <clears throat> you know, after years of seeing NXT wrestlers not promoted well and not built up well, um, you, and and Adam Cole has just, I think, re-signed. I think is what I read. Um, yes, yes. This th- this is his show. <laughs> like this is the guy that Triple H uh, has kind of said, "No, you're my you're my lead." And and so is your your group, so, and and there's enough new kind of wrestlers coming in here that like, keep them there, keep them in NXT and let and throw throw all your your best kind of young guys at them and see who sticks and see who can, who can topple them because you're kind of building up that that kind of who's gonna beat the undisputed era like it's just not happened yet mm. uh, and it's not and it's not Dream right and that's surprising in a way because people kind of saw him as maybe the next guy to to win the title but um but i don't think he's got the same 
um, he, he has not had the same push behind him now for, for a number of months. Uh, he, he's just, he's a great character and he, he's wrestling well, but I don't think he's got the same, uh, fan support as somebody in our next match. I would strongly argue it would be more appropriate to see that feud. Um, but I also saw that Dream's probably not moving rosters either. So it's like, okay, well, where are these guys going to fit in? And I guess that's you know why we keep watching. Um, but great match. It, 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 the cinematic match worked. Um, but now I'm ready to see these guys move on and, and, and let's move on to something else. Yeah. For me, it worked well as match number four of six. Yeah. Yeah. If you were, if you were expecting it to feel like a main event match, it wasn't that. It was match number four on the card. So if I'm if I'm praising it, I'm praising it for that. <laughs> like it wasn't mm-hmm. like a five star mental adventure. <laughs> like no. no, it was a wild brawl, and it yeah, it was that the entire match. So yeah, uh, and we we've already started our smooth transition. <laughs> We're getting good at these. <laughs> With uh, yes, the person who is arguably. If we're, if we're comparing who's going to be the next guy to topple Adam Cole, there's two guys who are getting that kind of long build, putting them over, making them feel like big deals. Uh, those two guys are currently Karrion Cross, who's way at the start of his push. And then there's Keith Lee, who last year at Survivor Series really got a massive momentum boost uh, with the NXT uh, versus Raw versus SmackDown match. And Keith Lee was the final guy going against Roman Reigns. And it felt like a big deal. You could feel it in the crowd. The atmosphere was amazing. And Keith Lee went toe-to-toe with Roman Reigns, the top guy in the company. And he held his own. It felt, mm-hmm. it felt like a big deal. He gets a massive pop at the Royal Rumble. And throughout that time on NXT, he's kind of having fantastic matches around the North American Championship scene against the likes of uh, Dijakovic and now Johnny Gargano. Uh, Damian Priest jumping in from now and then as well. And now at a point where he's the one who won those feuds. He is a North American champion and he's going against NXT mainstays like Johnny Gargano. And this is why in my preview last week, I was like, this feels like putting over the next generation of NXT. Johnny Gargano, the previous top draws. Now Keith Lee is that next top draw for NXT. And this match went exactly how I would have hoped it would have gone. And I've not really got any complaints about it really at all. Uh, I think in the middle it lost me a little bit, but uh, again, for a 20 minute match that's third on the card, I'm not really <laughs> complaining that much. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, it did it did everything that it needed to. Especially when I'm watching the NXT show, I'm kind of like, well, if it, if it keeps me invested in the characters and I enjoy the match enough, I'm not really going to complain. These are shorter shows which just fly by anyway, and I generally enjoy them. I reckon if this was in front of a crowd, I probably wouldn't have zoned out a little bit. It's just because it's the, it's not. It's technically an empty arena with a piped-in crowd. Like they mm-hmm. might, <laughs> they might as well just be pressing buttons on a keyboard <laughs> mm-hmm. to make a crowd noise. Uh, it's it's not like AEW. <laughs> like no. Um, no, but uh, but yeah. So Keith Lee feels like that kind of it's slowly being built as that next guy for NXT, and he could topple Adam Cole. I don't know who becomes the next North American champion. Especially now, like uh, Dajakovic's been called up, like that was, uh, and he's teasing everybody on Twitter now, <laughs> just posting everybody's <laughs> pictures on the raw roster. <laughs> he's like, "I'm aligning with this guy, or am I?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's winning Twitter game at the moment, just teasing everybody. Uh, but he, 
Well, yeah, so he's making that jump, but he's been like right there with Keith Lee the entire time. So him moving up's quite a big thing. Like the other guy from Keith Lee's era as well, in Matt Riddle, like he's gone as well. Yeah. Suddenly, like the only guy left is Damian Priest, and I don't see Lee and Priest being the top two. Like Priest could be the guy who becomes North American champion as Keith Lee moves to the main event. But uh, again, is Keith Lee one of those guys who moves up to the main roster? sooner rather than later kind of thing so like maybe he drops against Priest and goes to the main roster and then Adam Cole loses to Cross because you've got that storyline playing out it's a yeah in terms of the future of Keith Lee it's a slight odd one because they are developmental and we're in an era where guys are getting called up all of a sudden so that roster's getting a little bit thinner so it's a bit more difficult to predict and of course in call-ups NXT storylines don't really get taken into consideration they just kind of happen Mm-hmm. Uh, which is what Triple H was talking about where hope you're saying in terms of the main event he was saying hopefully it makes sense in three to four months time because for all we know somebody gets called up and ruins the entire thing storyline dead <laughs> like that, <laughs> that happens in NXT uh, but yeah this match was 20 minutes of fun even if Johnny Gargano was trying to use his teleport back to his house I think <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what he did <laughs> when he was trying oh to open the door so, yeah yeah, that was uh, that was great. I loved seeing the uh, the camera from the uh, the door mm. perspective, and like Gargano's like trying to get in, and then you see Lee enter the picture, and it's like uh, now you're gonna get it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, th- this was, uh, and you know what else? Like it it genuinely looked like Lee was gonna lose because he got you know cut in the eye there. And you know, in any most most any other match, that would have been it. Like that's the end. Um, how does he kick out from that? And, and that, but but he just kept kicking out. Like I loved the the resiliency being shown there by Lee. Like, and every subsequent pinfall from there that Gargano tried to get on him, Lee was just like a little less able to get out, a little less able to get out, and then he kind of hit his second wind. And I was, it was huge because. I loved I loved the the story of that because it made it seem like you know Lee's Lee might w- like lose this match, and then he ends up persevering through um, everything that Gargano could kind of throw at him. Um, so that was a great a great uh, win for Lee. Like he just you know so, you know how some some of those like epic match styles um, mm. you know you got all those kind of near fall near fall near fall and like I'm starting to get sick of those a little bit as a as a viewer. And we see them a lot in NXT, um, but I, you know what? I, I didn't mind it last night, and I'm not sure if it's because I like Keith Lee so much, or if it's just that they did it really well. Uh, I have to maybe watch it again to see. Um, but I think Keith Lee, man, like I'm, I'm all in on Keith Lee. Like yeah, same, yeah. he's he he's had it. He's just he's got the look. He's got the the demeanor. You like. He's the kind of guy you're like, I want to be friends with him, but I'm also happy I'm friends with him because like nobody's going to mess with Keith Lee if I'm walking <laughs> with him on the street, you know? Um, and he's kind of like smug, like the way that he kind of will, like when he's walking with Mia Yim on uh, last Wednesday's show and they like come out to like take on Lorraine and Gargano and he's got that smug look on his face, but like... I'm not mad about the smug look on his face because I'm happy that he's there to like <laughs> take care of business. So, again, you want to talk about stories from last summer. We talked about Shirai, you know, and her story of, you know, kind of overcoming slowly, 
you know, making her way up, beating LeRae, and then showing at War Games was really strong, and then, you know, all the way up till now. Keith Lee, Survivor Series, looked like a champ. War Games, he's on the winning team. Royal Rumble, let's not forget, he faces Brock Lesnar. Looks like a million bucks against Lesnar. Um, even though he gets taken out, he still looked great. Um, and now he's the North American champ, and he—I think he's just, you know, as far as guys moving up, I don't think he's—I don't want to see him move. His story is—is—he's heading for Cole. That's—that's that's my feeling. I think it's—I'd love to see champion versus champion. They've never done it yet. They've—they've um, they've got a collision course. They've kept—they've got history now with the War Games match that they can build on. Um, they've never had a singles match against each other. Cole's never faced anybody like him before. Um, you know, I think you know now's the time to start pushing towards that. Um, the only question is when, right? When will they? When will when will it happen? Because that's a match you want to see with a crowd. That's a match you want to see like fifteen thousand people kind of get in on. I think just have that stare down for a minute before the match and have all the chants coming. You know, <laughs> um, yeah, that's kind of how I'm feeling about that. Yeah, so uh, yeah, I don't want to take too long on it because we'll. Again, Keith Lee, if we've both got love for him, this might be an issue in, trying, in moving on to the next match. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I totally agree with absolutely everything you said. I'm totally in on the Keith Lee uh, character. Uh, again, it's a, I'm a bit biased because I was all in on Keith Lee before we came to NXT. Uh, so to, to see that that has carried over, uh, that's great. That makes me happy that they've been able to maintain his popularity, if not build on it as well. And he feels like such a big deal. And like, especially after the rumble, where Brock Lesnar's reaction was, "Ooh, big boy!" Oh, <laughs> <laughs> like on the main roster after that, instantly over. <laughs> like he's 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 made already. As soon as he re as soon as he reappears, it's uh, gonna be a moment. It's yeah, just when. And of course in NXT as well, it feels like will they wait for a crowd to crown him? So he feels like even bigger of a deal. Because again, mm-hmm. the this I feel like it's a mistake to not look into how AEW are doing it a little bit deeper, like to hear the stories of like Monday Night Raw tapings and apparently Kevin Dunn's coming over the PA saying uh, they're not NXT superstars, they're performance center recruits. Gonna have to do the promo again, MVP. It's just like oh, well that's that's kind of that's not really what as, as a personal take I've seen how AEW do it, and to not be able to refer to as the NXT people in the crowd as NXT people. That's jarring with reality. Yes. It's, it's, it's weird. Uh, for me, it's like, don't do not do that. <laughs> don't jar with reality. That's a really weird decision. And that's mm-hmm. one of the takes from it. I will say, I enjoyed, oh, on Monday Night Roy, I called him uh, Bouncy Boa, because <laughs> he was just there, just bouncing like, yay! <laughs> Looking really <laughs> happy. <laughs> it's, like, it's fine with that, but when you're cutting to Shotzi Blackheart and I'm not meant to know who she is. She's just random recruit. Oh, it's a bit weird. And then she's yeah. on, she's kicking off takeover as well. So again, a bit of a reality disconnect. There's little notes on the crowd, like take more notes from AW. Like both companies are taking notes from each other. Like it doesn't hurt to make more adjustments. That's just a little That's thing right. for me. If you've got NXT wrestlers at ringside, have them be their characters, not just yeah. noise machines. That's right. Is, yeah. yeah. But yeah, totally with you that, I'd rather have Keith Lee in front of a genuine crowd who pops for his like ultimate victory rather than this kind of crowd who's going to cheer for literally everything they're told to. <laughs> it's not the yes. same. <laughs> yeah. yeah, bit of a shame. 
Anyway, battling on to the penultimate match we're going to talk about, Finn Balor defeating Damian Priest, uh, which was also relatively long. I think that was the one I talked about where it's like 13 minutes. And mm-hmm. Yeah, so it was a fun... Oh, fun's not right, because it did everything it needed to again, which is why I'm applauding this pay-per-view. Uh, it was where every single match did what it needed to. And this was a fantastic example of Finn Balor continues to build his momentum whilst also making the guys in the ring with look like a million bucks. And Damian Priest, this was his biggest match to date. And I would argue this is the first match where he generally looked like a million bucks. Like he generally got to show a bit more of his arsenal. Like he got to show off his athleticism and I guess a bit of in-ring skills against Keith Lee. But Finn Balor is so good that that character gets pulled out of you as well. We talked about it earlier with the balance of the like the heel-face dynamic, where technically in this match, Finn Balor was wrestling pretty babyface, and Damien Priest was kind of heel, but with nice flashy moves. But then, as a sign of respect, I think Mark Marinelli put it over on commentary, that the reason Finn Balor goes for a second coup de grace is because he respects Damien Priest as a competitor so much that he has to do it. It's mm. like, oh, yes, I, mm. I love that line. Like Really put over why he was doing what he was doing. And of course that makes... Damon Priest come across as an entity who is worth that second finisher because mm-hmm. again he kicked out so much as well. Uh, like, do you agree that this uh, did an amazing job of making Priest feel like a big deal? Yeah, see, I agree with what you're saying here. Um, I'm not a big Priest fan. Like, I I don't know. He's been getting the good presentation, and he's, you know, he's he went on a, quite a streak there for a while where he was just winning, but but since then it's really evened out. Um, yeah, I'm not like super into into his character, but I'm I appreciate that he he got the singles match right because last time he was on uh, Takeover was um, at War Games and he had the the triple threat for the number one contender right oh, and and I, I felt like the match he, exists. <laughs> yeah yeah so that was against Dunn and Dane and like he you know he had moments there where he looked good but but I think it it's it's important that he got that that match against Balor who who hasn't who hasn't lost hmm. uh, a big a big match. He did lose to Grimes on TV, but he hasn't lost the takeover match since he's come back. So um so for Priest for Priest to have held his own for as long as he did and then like you say to take two coup de gras at the end. Um yeah, it, it's building him up which I which is good and also keeps Balor looking really strong because you know, there's a guy who could easily be interjected into any title feud as well. Um, you know, you could easily see him like, oh, I feel like I'm going to go for the North American title. Like, I'm going to take on Lee. And maybe that's your segue before Cole. Or like, oh, I think I'm going to go for a title shot now with Cole. Like, he's got that he's got that veteran pedigree that he can pretty much walk into Regal's office, you could imagine, and say... Yeah, I think, you know, I'm ready for a title shot. And Regal's like, well, I can't really argue against that. <laughs> yeah. you, you're under, you know, you've wrestled so many takeovers and you're a multi-time champion. Like, So, yeah, great to see um, great to see Balor on the card. Good to see Priest showing. Fine match, yeah. And, and the position was right, too. Yeah. It, yeah. Finn Balor could feel like a guy who could go into an NXT Championship match at any point, and Damian Priest feels like he could go to a North American Championship match at any point. Nailed what it was set out to do. <laughs> so, well done. Uh, and the match that kicked it all off uh, Mia Yim, Shotzi Blackheart, and Tegan Knox facing Candice LeRae, Dakota Kai, and Mikhail Gonzalez 
in a fun 10-minute opener, which was fast-paced. Everybody got their stuff in. Everybody got to then move along in terms of their story. Uh, Shotzi Blackheart was the kind of uh, the rookie, the rookie of the match who uh, got her moment to shine. Mia Liam and Candice LeRae continued their brawl in terms of the uh, match itself. <laughs> and Dakota Kai and Tegan Knox continued to build their animosity with Tegan Knox coming out on top. Again, another match. This was, just a, this was a fantastic choice for first to open the show. Like It's kind of like before this match, before this got announced on Wednesday, you're looking at the card thinking, well, which one's going to open? Because it's a weird card in terms of choosing who would go first because none of the matches felt like... Unless it was Keith Lee, Johnny Gargano, which again was more story than it was super fun paced opener. Uh, this yeah. match was the perfect choice to open the show. Where... Uh, I heard somebody say it was a bit like a New Japan multi-man match where we haven't got a singles match for you, but go out there, do all your character work, get your stuff in, and uh, we'll give you 10 minutes to make yourself look good. And, and they did that. Like They all came out looking great. So, yeah, that's an NXT trope where even in, you never get criticisms in NXT of, oh, that person's buried now that they lost. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't get that here. Like Dakota Kai, there's a legitimate reason that she lost. Like, at the end, she was outnumbered and she paid for it. She paid yeah. for her previous sins earlier in the match. <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, Tegan Knotts with the shiniest wizard yeah, taking out Kai, which again keeps it in line with their story that's happening. Even though other people got their licking, it was Tegan Knox who scores the pin on Dakota Kai because she's the one in the rivalry with her. That's why you would do right. that. <laughs> Everything just makes sense. It's, uh, it's, it's one of those things where, yes, it was a six-woman tag and you're not looking too deep into the story, but there's nothing to criticise. <laughs> because everything made sense and it was fun. And then you just move on to the next thing. Yeah, so round of applause. <laughs> oh, yeah. Perfect way to kick off the show. Well, and, and you're seeing now, this is um, this is now pretty consistent that you're seeing two women's matches on the card mm-hmm. now. And that's that's since Toronto. Uh, of minus War Games. But War Games is a special entity to itself because you've got the double War Games matches now. Um, but yeah, otherwise you got two women's matches per card. So, so this is important because you, you need to have a, a match, a, a, like an alternate feud. Well, they didn't have a strong alternate feud to the title, but they had these other secondary feuds. So yeah, throw them together into the same match and see what happens. So, so what that did is it actually gave, um, Blackheart and Gonzalez, um, a, a takeover match that they they haven't had that yet, right? So and and they get the benefit of the of the draw of the other ladies to kind of support them, and so that they don't um, they don't maybe have a flop match because maybe they would have if it was just them two, right? But because they're a part of this other bigger um, multi woman tag, um, then they they get the benefit of well we're on takeover and, and we're going to have a moment to shine, but we don't need to carry the whole match. Uh, so I thought that was really great. Um, and like you say, they they kept all the feuds kind of, um, you know, singled out on, on each other. Like Yim and LeRae leave the match because they're just so upset with each other. Just forget the match. I just want to fight you. Like, <laughs> you know, uh, and that was that was great to see. And then um, and then, like you say, Knox and Kai still have their feud going, their endless feud. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it was good. Yeah, and it rounds off a, a show which uh, the two and a half hours like are really easy to watch. Like if I would, uh, would I recommend you watch this? Yeah, it's a nice, easy show to watch, and that's all. I'm, that's all you're looking for nowadays. 
<laughs> yeah. Is it a chore to sit through? No, it bla- it flew by. It was, yeah, really fun to watch. Yeah, thumbs up then. <laughs> it really did. Yeah, you're right. It really did fly by. And, and, and kudos to NXT for not having super long shows. Like, yes. you, you know, the original In Your Houses were only two hours, right? They yeah. weren't the... And, and this was, what, two two hours, maybe 40 minutes? Yeah, if that, yeah. If that. So uh, I know as a as a person with a, a family and a job <laughs> and all those things, like, it's nice to have something that's digestible yes. and not like, like, you know, I'm going to be up till 1230 at night trying to watch this thing that's been going on for six hours. Like, <laughs> sorry. No, thanks. <laughs> it pays respect to your time. And I like that. Yes, main roster doesn't do that. <laughs> it's like, what do you no. mean you don't have five hours to, ke- to dedicate to backlash? <laughs> and the pre-show too. Oh yeah, <laughs> like I do. The, obviously, I do the aftershocks for Laws of Pain uh, slash wrestling headlines, and I don't watch the pre-shows. No. <laughs> it's just, it's like, my, my way of looking at it is like I'm doing aftershock. I'm already dedicating extra time. <laughs> I'm not watching your pre-show. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> so, basically, rounded out fantastic show. There's only uh, two questions left. Question number one: What was your favourite advert? Ico Pro. Everyone saying the Ico Pro. <laughs> Adam Cole nailing his Bret Hart impression. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and just because the reference is so mid '90s, like it's just <laughs> it's the biggest one that I remember from that time. So yeah. Yeah. Personally, I will go for as you picked that one. <laughs> I'll go for DX on the computer. Oh. <laughs> Sean Michael, also great Sean Michaels has always done that way of typing every time they've done a skit like that for the past like 12 years yeah. <laughs> he's done the same finger poking <laughs> kind of thing it always makes me laugh <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, Road Dog in the background kind of just shouting and then accidentally knocking stuff over <laughs> in rage of that <laughs> was hilarious I loved it uh, yeah adverts were an amazing touch Todd Pettingill we've not shouted out Todd Pettingill as well <laughs> just, yeah. uh, another one was like hey Todd Pettingill <laughs> back from the 90s it's a shame you only had that period because everybody likes you. It's true. <laughs> uh, but yeah, in a, a lovely nostalgia trip back to the 90s with a look in the future in terms of NXT. The second question, are you happy with how your draft is going? Oh, yes. The, the, the famed fantasy draft. Uh, yeah, you know, there's there's obviously been a few picks that I would have liked. But uh, being being that I am at the turn of the snake and you're at the other turn of mm. the snake uh, with our double picks. Um, yeah, I think I'm, I'm pleased so far. Um, I'm still not sure what I'm going to do for my singles division exactly, but I'm pretty happy with my tag division. I think it'll be very competitive. Mm. Nice. I personally finished rounding off my tag division today and I was, because there are 12 of us doing this fantasy draft over the past decade, it's kind of think, well, oh, are there enough teams where, like, I don't know what round, we, what number we're into. I think we're into the two hundreds in terms of picks. Yeah, and it's uh, just that it's that thing of I didn't know if I'd get a full quality six <laughs> because of yes. being at the again as we just said at the different ends of the snake. Like you see, yes, you get double picks, but you see so many people oh, go yeah. <laughs> like. There's what, like 22, 23 picks between each one of our goes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it feels so long seeing every single name fly off the shelf. <laughs> then he gets to do a double whammy <laughs> so that is nice so yeah uh, today I drafted Evil and the Dark Order I was like yeah his nickname is the King of Darkness surely that makes sense as I can't have Brody Lee <laughs> I can make up my own Dark Order <laughs> so much better uh, 
Anyway, yes, a happy draft day for him. It's going well, but I'm like you. I've like I've not really got the best image for my singles roster outside of my main events kind of thing. Like it's mm-hmm. just, I'm guessing people that could work together. Uh, What's well, not really knowing. Anyway, uh, I will just hype that up by saying uh, uh, type. I think I think it is his full name is type it in man. I think he was on the main page for a little bit. Uh, yeah, I, I call him Tony, so I keep forgetting his <laughs> Lords of Bane name. <laughs> like, <that was> <laughs> um, yeah, so he's put forward the idea of doing like at the end of it all, doing like a round table of whoever wants to come on and do it. We don't have a date for that yet because who knows when this will finish? <laughs> it's taking right. quite a while, uh, but there's an idea floated about and uh, types up for it. So in the future, expect a show where we kind of explain what we were just on about <laughs> in the, like a yes. whole show detail. Uh, follow us, follow both of us on Twitter to do that. This is an amazing transition into us plugging our stuff and signing off. So, <laughs> if, uh, so if you want to follow what on earth we're talking about, it's Fantasy Draft. We are both playing it on Twitter, so you can get information there. You can go to the Lords of Pain forums. Uh, I think it's in the general wrestling section where it's taking place it, down in the Lords of Pain forums. But follow me on Twitter at the damn Implicat, and you can follow Jcool at Jcoolwh. Uh, and can they read regular columns from you? That's right. Yeah, so we're going to have uh, a takeover uh, review. I, I I don't do the review the, the day of. Uh, usually I wait till the post-takeover show because usually you see kind of the rest of the, the kind of the whatever, the aftermath um, happen. And I like to take that into consideration with, with the review. So you'll see that probably Thursday. Yes. And, uh, I Which don't is know, today. It is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, oh yeah, yes, it's Thursday today. Yes. Yes. Today, <laughs> it's it's going to be out shortly. <laughs> yes, and we definitely know what's happened on NXT. Like oh, that oh that man's a oh isn't he? Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was that was quite a match. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> and the best part is that that's probably accurate. <laughs> it's the, yeah, it was a bit of a great match. It's NXT. <laughs> it's always a great match. Yeah. Anyway, uh, a thank you to Jacob for dropping by to go over the takeover card in the middle of a, a busy work day for him with the time difference. So thank you to Jacob. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it and looking forward to uh, to the next takeover. Ditto. And I will be back on Sunday for uh, LOP Radio Aftershock for the greatest match ever in yes. Backlash. <laughs> How can it be bad? They've called it the greatest match ever. Surely it will be the greatest match ever. To go in with a massive smile on my face. <laughs> it's just, uh, the thing that made me laugh was off the on the advertising on Raw this week because they did have like the greatest match ever part of the Backlash kind of logo. And now for the matches, they've taken that away for every match that isn't Edge Orton. <laughs> it's just kind of like having that there on every single match might have given the wrong impression. <laughs> it's just sad. <laughs> greatest match ever. Miz and Martin versus Braun Strowman. <laughs> like, mm, I no. doubt. <laughs> yeah, I doubt that'll be that. Uh, anyway, so I'll be back on Sunday. Then I'll be back next week uh, on uh, live on Thursday again to talk about something or other. Again, if you heard me on Keeping It Strong Style... Oh, that's the other thing to plug. <laughs> I was uh, on Keeping It Strong Style last week to talk about Kachiori Sabata's career. Uh, that is still available if you want to go and listen to that over on the Social Suplex Network. And if uh, I'll be writing a preview column for the New Japan Cup, which was announced earlier this... Not this... No, two days ago. <laughs> it was announced two days ago on Twitter. Not this morning, because it's not Tuesday. <laughs> it's Thursday. Uh, the New Japan Cup was announced uh, on Tuesday. So we've scrambled to come up with an idea of how to preview it, how to review it, whatever. 
and uh, so it starts next week which is my birthday or thank you new japan <laughs> starting again on my birthday how kind of you uh, but we, myself sir sam and jeremy donovan of keeping it strong style podcast will be writing a preview which should be released this saturday on wrestlingheadlines.com so keep an eye out for that and with that i've already said thank you to jay cool but with that i bid you adieu and jay cool bids you au revoir Ah, Canadian. Canadian goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Adios.